0: A little simplification would be the first step towards rational living. Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast with your host, Eric Blake. This show offers valuable insights and advice on retirement planning specifically tailored for women. Join us as we explore various challenges that arise during retirement planning and discuss practical ways to overcome them. With years of experience in retirement planning as a financial professional, Eric brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. He is joined by guests who will also offer unique perspectives and insights. Together, they provide practical tips and strategies to help you delegate some of the heavy lifting and make the most of your retirement. Whether you are a widow, divorced, or simply ready to take control of your financial future, This podcast is designed to help you navigate the complexities of retirement planning and make the most of this exciting phase of life. We take a step-by-step approach to help you understand what's next and guide you through the retirement planning journey. So sit back, relax, and let us help you build your retirement on your terms with another episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast with Eric Blake.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast, where our goal is to support women throughout your retirement journey. I am your host, Eric Blake, Certified Financial Planner and Founder of Blake Wealth Management. Today, I'm joined once again by Wendy McConnell. Wendy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining
2: me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about five things that all women should know about Social Security.
0: Yeah, I think, to, you know, social security is one of those, I really feel like it is, it's maybe the most undervalued aspect of retirement income planning. Uh, it gets a bad, actually gets a bad rap and maybe it should, but you know, you think about social security is it, it's not really being used today for the purpose it was originally designed for. But I do think making sure that you, you evaluate your social security filing strategies, you understand what your options are, especially for women who are planning for retirement on their own, what I consider the three keys to a successful retirement for women is going to be making sure you minimize your lifetime tax liability, invest smarter, and then third is optimizing social security. Not necessarily in that, that's not an order of priority, but that third one is such a, I just feel like it's it's such an undervalued aspect of this. And I want to make sure that we talk about what I think, again, are the five, the five keys to uh, social security that all women need to know.
2: I think it's just been kind of beaten into our heads all this time. You can't depend on social security. So none of us are depending on it, but you're right. As of right now, it's something that can be and should be utilized.
0: Right. And many people aren't going to be able to live on that as their sole source. So unfortunately, many people, there are many people that are living on social security as their only source of income, but you know, social security is the one retirement income source that is guaranteed for life and will also increase every year based on a cost of living adjustment. There's just nothing else out there really that offers that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, again, you've got to make sure you're making the right decisions. And for women, being making sure you're involved in that decision is, is crucial as well.
2: Okay. So tell me number one then of the things that we should know
0: about Social Security. Well, first is just understanding what it takes to be eligible for a retirement benefit because it really, it doesn't take a whole lot. It takes at least 10 years of Social Security earnings in order to qualify for some type of retirement benefit. Uh, And again, understanding how that 10 years works is also important because you need 40 credits in order to be eligible. You can earn up to four credits per year. So the four per year times 10, that's 40 total credits. That gets you some Social Security retirement benefit. Okay. And I think the other thing to understand is it doesn't necessarily take a whole lot of earnings in order to get a credit. So for 2023, for example, you need to earn $1,640 to get a credit. Now, again, you can only earn four per year, but you know, if you're a seasonal worker, you're a part-time worker, you can still, if you get, you know, basically what is that? 6,400 ish, $6,500 in earnings for the year that counts as a full year of social security earnings credit. So I think you need to understand that. I think that's, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get there. I, I always use my wife as an example. You know, she taught for 25 years and now because she wanted to make sure she got her kid fix, she does crossing guard and it does not make a whole lot of money. She just does it because she wants to tell dad jokes to the kids and have, you know, get to,
2: <laughs> Wouldn't they get be to mom hang-
0: jokes, <laughs> uh, maybe so. Yeah. Well, but dads tell the worst jokes. So I I don't know. I don't want to get credit for that or not. (laughs) But she does it, you know, one hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon, only during the school year. But she would earn enough to get credit for for those earnings towards social security. That's good. That's number one. Number two is spousal benefits. Now we know in many cases, you know, especially when we work with a lot of women, We know that there's in many cases, situations where women take time out of the workforce or they, maybe they don't have any earnings history at all. But even if they just take take some years out because they're taking care of family, they're taking care of children, whatever the case might be, that if you qualify, you may also be eligible for a benefit based on your spouse's work history or even your ex-spouse's work history. So hmm. you can be eligible for a benefit that's a spousal benefit or an ex-spousal benefit. It's not technically a retirement benefit, but you can earn up to a maximum of fifty percent of your spouse's benefit, if you are depending on your marital status. And I think that's one of the things I want to point out is we talk about eligibility for that to be eligible for a spousal benefit, number one, you have to be married to, to your crib. You're currently married. You have to have been married for at least a year before you're eligible for a spousal benefit off that spouse's work history. The second aspect is ex-spousal. If you were married for at least 10 years, it has to be 10 full years to be eligible for a benefit off an ex-spouse. And again, that's crucial because many people don't, you, can't, you wouldn't imagine how many people, how many women I talk to, who don't realize that they actually may be eligible for a benefit off of their ex spouse. And my actually, my mom, she I, I tell this to, I'm sure she gets tired of me telling the story. She actually made a mistake. You know, she got divorced, and she, at the time she filed for her own benefit, she was actually eligible for, to do that exact strategy to file off of her ex spouse. And it would have made a, it could have made a potentially a big difference in her lifetime benefit.
2: So let me ask you this. If you are married or divorced and you have the option of going with a spousal benefit, it's either a spousal benefit or your own social security, not both.
0: Right. You get one or the other. It's 50% of your spouse's benefit or 100% of your own, whichever is higher. Well, Whichever, okay. whichever those numbers are. So just use an example. Let's say your, your spouse's benefit is $2,000 and your benefit is 750. Well, half of that spouse's benefit is a thousand. Thousand dollars is more than 750. So in that case, if you were to file, you would be eligible to get the thousand dollar benefit rather than your smaller 750 to $750 benefit off of your own record. So is
2: that a requirement then? Because like, I'm thinking of it this way. If I go to, if I use a spousal benefit, that cuts the spouse's benefit in half, correct? So he's only going to get half and I'm going to get half.
0: No. So that is, again, a great point. I'm glad you asked that question. So it's the spousal benefit does not impact the earner's benefit.
2: Okay. so
0: if the husband lets you just because that's, you know, that's historically been the case. So the husband has a $2,000 retirement benefit of their own. The spouse, let's say they just didn't have any work history at all, just to make this a little bit easier. Spouse has, the the wife has no work history at all. So basically their retirement benefit is zero. They are eligible to receive 50% of the working spouse's benefit with no impact on the working spouse's benefit. So the husband can still receive his $2,000 a month. While the spouse receives the thousand dollar a month spousal benefit, so that's a two thousand that's a three thousand dollar total benefit between the two okay so it does not reduce the spousal benefit their spouse receiving a benefit off of the working spouse's earnings history does not reduce that earning spouse's benefit at all yes
2: okay that makes sense. I like that I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because my thought was, well, if it's going to be half, then I'll still take mine. He can keep his full, but no, it doesn't work that way. It
0: doesn't work that way. It does not work that way at all. So that's, again, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked for the clarification on that. Again, it does not reduce, the benefits don't get reduced based on a, a spouse filing benefits off of the other spouse's work history.
2: Okay. So what happens if you remarry?
0: If you remarry, so let's go through kind of an example that may make some sense. So if you ever, if you get divorced and you had been married for 10 years, you're eligible for an ex-spouse benefit. Same formula, 50% of that other spouse's benefit. If you ever get remarried, you are no longer eligible for an ex-spouse benefit off of that other spouse, unless this next marriage, second marriage, let's call it, ends in divorce at some point in the future. So as soon as you remarry, you are no longer eligible for an ex-spouse benefit off of a previous spouse. Now again, you could be eligible for a spousal benefit off your new spouse once you've been married for at least one year, but you're no longer eligible for any ex-spousal benefits in that scenario.
2: So, if I get divorced from the second marriage in three years, I can go back to the first husband and take the spousal benefit from that.
0: If if, if you were married for at least ten years in that first in that initial marriage, correct.
2: Okay, so if the the second marriage doesn't last as long as the first marriage and you are not eligible for spousal benefits from that second marriage, you can still go back to the first marriage.
0: Yes. Once that second marriage ends in divorce. Now, here's that's let's look at this. This is a crazy scenario that probably wouldn't have even been thought about 50 years ago. As long as each of those various marriages lasted more than 10 years, you could choose which of the benefits you want to choose you want to take. So Ooh. if you were married three times for a total of thirty years, ten years to each. Let's say you were married to ten years to three different spouses, you could choose which of those three spouses you wanted to take an ex-spouse benefit from.
2: Wow, that's nice.
0: <laughs> and none of the, again, none of their benefits get impacted. So
2: yeah,
0: they yeah. may not necessarily like it that you can do it. But they can't really do anything about
2: it. <laughs> well, and it's not hurting them in, in any way either.
0: So, well, and also it wouldn't impact if they're, if let's say one of those, mal- the, the spouse you chose, the ex spouse you chose to take benefits off of, let's say they were actually still currently married. It also doesn't impact their spouse, their current spouse's benefit, which okay. again, that, that's, that's it's huge for that spouse too. Right.
2: Wow. So somebody can just go along and keep getting spouses and,
0: <laughs> and 10 years, 10 years is a, you know, that's a long time to, yes. to...
2: <laughs> for just that. I understand. Right. All right.
0: And if you live long enough to have multiple 10 year marriages, then, you know, all the best for you, but
2: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. So let's go on to number three.
0: Survivor benefits, and this is a, I'm talking about being undervalued uh, as it relates to Social Security benefit. I think survivor benefits are again, uh, maybe of all these different variables, maybe the undervalued, uh, the most undervalued aspect of this within these five categories that we're talking about, and that's survivor benefits. Especially important for women because we just know that statistically speaking, the wife is going to outlive the husband. That's just the way the numbers, the, math, the way the math works. It's
2: statistics.
0: Statistics. I mean, he, he math says what the math says. Well, I guess it I guess it goes against the uh, you can make math whatever you say you want it to, but you know, <laughs> the reality of the situation is yes, women typically outlive men. Yes. So just hitting on some of the key points here around survivor benefits. If it's a current marriage, if your current spouse passes away, as long as you are married for at least nine months, you're eligible for a survivor benefit from that spouse. So that's key to know, unless it was some type of accident. That's the only scenario where you potentially could be eligible for a survivor benefit sooner. If it was more, if it happened within, you know, for three, six months, if it's an accident, you may still potentially be eligible for a survivor benefit. Mm -hmm. Again, same 10 year number for ex-spouses. If you were married to to an ex-spouse for at least 10 years, you could be eligible for a survivor benefit based on that ex-spouse. Now here's really where a key difference between the ex-spousal benefit and the ex-spouse survivor benefit comes in, and that's if you remarry before the age of 60, you are no longer eligible for any type of survivor benefit based on an ex-spouse. If you marry after the age of 60, you could still be eligible for a survivor benefit based on an ex-spouse, even if you're still married, okay. as long as you didn't get married until after the age of 60.
2: Okay, I think I follow that.
0: Oh, well, that makes sense?
2: <laughs> it does. <laughs> Now I'm good.
0: (laughs) Now, the big thing to think about with survivor benefits is that it is 100% of that spouse's benefit at the time they passed or what they would have been eligible for at the time. So that's a key differentiator between, again, the spousal benefit, which is a maximum of 50%. In this case, you would receive 100% of that deceased spouse's benefit. Okay. Okay. Now, where the other variation comes in, and again, what confuses many women is that if your spouse passes away and you start receiving, let's say you're both receiving benefits. Let's say that the, both of you are 75 years old. Your husband's receiving receiving a, a Social Security benefit, and you are receiving a Social Security benefit. Let's say your husband's is $2,000, and yours is $1,500. So you are receiving, so the wife is receiving her own retirement benefit. Husband passes away. The spouse gets to switch to that higher benefit. They get to start receiving that $2,000 a month benefit, but her $1,500 benefit goes away okay, completely. So now she's now only going to have $2,000 a month in total social security benefits. She doesn't get to keep hers or it doesn't get cut in half, anything like that. One benefit goes away. She gets to keep the higher of the two. Okay back to again, the key point of why I always tell women whether we're working with a single woman who's gone through a divorce or been widowed, or if it's a couple that we're working with, and I always stress how important it is for the wife to be involved, if not be the decision maker. I, if, if we can, I would encourage the wife to be the decision maker when it comes to when are we going to start social security? At minimum, it needs to be a joint conversation. Because again, the statistics tell us that it's more likely that she's going to get impacted negatively by the wrong decision.
2: So these survivor benefits, will they start like at the age of 67, like we the retirement age?
0: So it, it depends on the, actually it depends on the age of death uh, when the spouse passes away. Uh, if you're before, if you're younger than age 60, if your husband and wife are younger than age 60, you would first be eligible for a survivor benefit at the age of 60. That's the earliest you could be eligible, which is, again, different than the retirement age, which we'll touch on just a second. So the earliest you can start a retirement benefit is 62, but you can start survivor benefits as early as age 60. Or if you happen to be disabled, you could potentially start those benefits as early as age 50. Now, again, we're going to touch on this a bit as well, but you keep in mind that if you start, the earlier you start, the more reduced amount you're going to receive. So if you start early, it's going to get reduced from whatever the full benefit would have been.
2: Okay, that yeah, uh, it's always that decision. You're like, I don't know, I could live a long time, but I could get hit by a bus tomorrow.
0: <laughs> and and it, that's a conversation that happens a lot. Again, you, you, sometimes it's hard to overcome because again, people, especially if you if a if a wife has gone through that emotional situation, you know, it's all it's. It's hard to say, hey, what I got to make sure I'm trying to make the rational decision, especially when you know you're going to be losing some type of income. It even becomes more, it becomes harder to make a decision on right. based on longevity. But in most cases, again, longevity should win out. But unfortunately, it's not always the case that uh, that that's how the decision gets made. I gotcha. Which again, that kind of leads us into number four, which is delayed retirement credits. And that means that, you know, I talked about it just a second ago, the earliest you can start your retirement benefits is 62. But again, if you start it early, the earlier you start, the more of a reduction that it's going to be. So full retirement age is the age that you receive when you see yours, when everybody logs in and they look at their, or they should be logging in. We'll talk about that in our action items. When you log in and you say, well, what is my full retirement age benefit? You look at the number and that's what you see. So let's say it's $2,000 a month. That's the benefit you would receive if you wait till your full retirement age. Typically anywhere between the age of 66 and 67, depending on year of birth. If you start at 62, that could be reduced by as much as 30%. So if your benefit was $2,000 and you get a 30% reduction, now we're talking, what is that? $1,300 a month rather than 2,000? Not only that, that that difference in benefit gets compounded over time because you're also receiving your cost of living increases based on that lower amount as well.
2: Oh yes. That's something I have to consider for sure.
0: So for every year you can delay. So once you return, you turn 62, you're eligible to receive benefits if you choose to, but for every year you delay, you get basically about an 8% increase in benefit until you get to full retirement age. And then you can actually extend it all the way to age 70. 70 is the maximum age that you would want to ever start benefits. You don't get any additional benefits by waiting beyond the age of 70. Okay. Now what full retirement age is important is because that's also the age where there's no impact if you have to, if you choose to, or need to continue working. So if you reach full retirement age and you still want to, or need to work, you can receive you can apply for social security benefits receive whatever you're eligible for whatever your full retirement age benefit is and continue to work with no reduction in benefits because of working that's the other caveat with starting early is you are subject to what's called an earnings test so you can only earn certain amounts before reaching that full retirement age before you actually can reduce so you have your benefit reduced because of your earnings potential okay so, so you don't earn to too keys. much money I tell that's I don't look at it like that. I tell people if you can make enough money to live on, don't don't use that as a reason to not work, right? So if you can make so the benefit amount, for example, in twenty for twenty twenty three, if you're more than full and full year from full retirement age, you can earn twenty one thousand two hundred forty dollars before your benefit gets impacted. Okay. So if you're. So if you're a part-time worker, let's say you you begin your benefits, $2,000 a month, and you're you're able to earn $10,000, $15,000 a year doing something part-time, something you enjoy. That's a great strategy. Okay. Because, again, it doesn't impact your Social Security benefit. You're earning a little money to cover your expenses. Maybe that allows you to delay touching or tapping into your retirement assets, your investment accounts. That's a great strategy. But if somebody comes to me and said, you know, I got this job offer, I'm going to be able to make $60,000 a year, (laughs) make $60,000 a year. (laughs) (laughs) Don't use that as a, I I hate to use it, call it an excuse, but don't use it as a reason not to work because well, it's going to reduce my Social security benefits, the part that also confuses people is you don't actually lose it. So you get, you might get it reduced in that particular year. But actually what happens is it gets deferred. It gets pushed off into the future. Once you reach full retirement age, it basically gets recalculated into your benefit at that full retirement age. So you don't lose the benefit. It just gets pushed into the future for you.
2: Okay. I like that better because that's not what I've heard in the past. So that's a little bit of a nice clarification.
0: Yeah, Because exactly. people think I lose, well, I'm going to lose my benefits if I do that. No, you, it's going to get reduced this year, but you're going to get it in the future.
2: Okay. All right. So- What's the last one?
0: Work history, the impact of work history. Oh, There's a lot of different variables that we could look at with this. The most important one, I think, is understanding that it's your highest 35 years of earnings that determines what your benefit is. There's so much confusion because people think maybe it's five years because a lot of pensions are determined on your last five years. Maybe it's three years, maybe it's 20 years but it's your highest 35 years of earnings history that determines your social security benefit. Mm -hmm. The reason that's important is, again, we talked about a little bit earlier. So if you've been out of the workforce for any reason, you stayed home to take care of children, you had to take time out to take care for family, you went back to school, any reason that you might, maybe you don't have 30, maybe you've got 30 years. Well, that means that you've got five years of zeros in there. So for every year even if you earn just a little bit that counts towards social security every year you can earn something replaces a zero year with a something year okay so gotcha. if it's 5000 10000 anything that you earn will improve your benefit because you're replacing zero years with positive earnings years yeah so that may, that can make a huge difference and that even that's even the case I had a scenario that uh, I think it was last year where a client asked me, she got a letter that said, Hey, I, uh, do you know why my social security, it went up more than just the, the cost of living increase that everybody's been talking about. And she sent me the letter. So when I read it, I, I told her, I explained to her that, well, you know, what's happened is that you're still working. So she had, she had a great opportunity to continue working. She was consulting, earning a good salary, but she was in her seventies. So they were, they were still counting that. They were still counted. So those extra years of earnings were replacing lower years from pre, from the past. Huh. So she was making more in, this, in the current year than she had made in some prior year. So that improved her 35-year average. So her benefit went up even more than just the basic cost of living increase. Huh. And that can be huge. Again, that can make it because, again, we're talking lifetime guaranteed income with cost of living adjustments every single year. So that's why again, I, work and work is never a reason to make a decision on Social Security necessarily. You got to look at your at your entire situation and do the math. There's some great calculators on the Social Security website. We'll talk about that in the action items again. But there's some great calculators. Talk to your financial advisor. Help them have them crunch the numbers for you. What happens if I decide I want to work another two, three, four, five years or longer? Is that going to have somehow improve my Social Security benefit?
2: Okay,
0: so make wh- an educated decision. What if um, you're a business owner? Business owners are. <laughs> well, you just made a really mean face. <laughs> I, business. I love business owners. First of all, I'm I'm a business owner. So, you know, I can't I don't want to say too much <laughs> negative, but but they are notorious for. Recognizing as little income as possible,
2: Okay. because they
0: don't want to pay tax. Business owners hate taxes, too. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with it. I hate taxes, too, but. What they don't always realize, and often t- until it's too late, is all those years of where they may have been cash flow rich, but income poor, that also impacts their social security benefit. Oh. So, if you, let's say you had a you know, net cash flow of $100,000 a year, but maybe you only had $25,000 in taxable income. $25,000 is what goes to determine your social security benefit. And if you had a loss, I mean, there's, I've seen this situation come up several times where you maybe had a loss in a particular year. That's a zero social security earnings year. No, It hurts. Yeah. And me, many people are surprised if they've been, you think about, you know, a lot of business owners have this have a very similar story. You know, I started working when I was 12 years old or when I was 15 years old. So they've been working for more than 35 years, but they've got zeros mixed in. They've got oh. low income years mixed in because again, they are notorious for not wanting to pay taxes. But that also impact, they don't want those self-employment taxes. And that's the thing that that people don't think about. They hear it's self-employment taxes. They don't realize that's basically just the other half of social security. So in an employee, I'm putting money into social security and Medicare. That's my part. Well, my employer is also putting in the other half. Right. So there's the two parts of social security and Medicare. If you're a self-employed, you're paying both halves. Right. But it also only gets talked about as self-employment taxes not not thinking about well this is actually my the other half of Social Security and Medicare that I really that is important right or will because be you're, important you're
2: paying as both the employer and the employee
0: right well and again business owners you think about just again just being familiar with the scenarios that you hear business owners they put everything they put their heart and soul into their business maybe they don't save a whole lot. So not only have they reduced their social security potential, they haven't saved as much as they probably needed to. Mm-hmm. So they could be the, one of the best business owners in the in the area that made the business owners that, you know, but they have nothing to show for it at the end of the day. Okay. And you hope that they are able to sell the business for some level of value in order to provide whatever they're going to need for the rest of their lives. Cause otherwise they're going to be working for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Gotcha. Right? It can be a challenge to say the least. Okay.
2: So let's go over some of the
0: action items. Action items. Absolutely. So first thing I would suggest, we actually have, a I did a webinar earlier this year called Savvy Social Security Planning for Women. That's on our website. You can actually go through our, to the Retirement Insights tab, the drop down there, you'll see that in the Insights. It's a little bit less than an hour, but it hit, we go into, I go into much more detail on these different topics, spousal benefits, ex-spousal benefits, some different examples. So you can actually see how the math works. We Again, we talk about a lot about math, how the math works in these scenarios, but actually see some of these examples of spousal, ex-spousal benefits, survivor benefits, my own retirement benefits. That would be a great place to start. Again, it's about an hour, but it, it hit on all these different topics. Second thing would go to the Social Security website, go to ssa.gov. If you haven't created an account, create an account. They got those little frustrating questions you have to answer about, you know, what car did you have in 1985 or whatever it might be Uh, to your your identity thing? Yeah, yes. The identity (laughs) questions, but you can go there. You can see number one, find out what your full retirement age benefit is. Number two, look and see what is my earnings history? How many years do I, how many credits do I have? You also want to make sure that I, this is also business owners and as well, you can also check your earnings history. Does it look accurate? Is there a zero year where there probably should be a number? Make sure that you're double checking that. Also a great for identity theft, where somebody that's that is not unheard of to for people to get a hold of somebody's social security number and start social security benefits off of somebody else.
2: Wow. Okay. So
0: check your earnings history, make sure it's accurate, uh, see how many credits you have. Because it's pretty easy to say, well, if I've got 25 years of earnings, I probably need to work another 10 years, or at least you know whether it's part-time, full time, whatever it might be. It's some money to in there. Try to get to that 35 year mark. Yeah. So that would be number two. Number three is understand full retirement age. What does that mean? And what is your full retirement age? Again, there were some changes. That was the most significant social security changes we saw back in 1983 was where they extended that retirement age, the full retirement age to what is now 67, but they did it in stages. So if you're born in 1960 or later, it's pretty easy. Your full retirement age is 67. If you're born before that, It's going to be 66 in some months, 66 in four months, six months, eight months, 10 months, whatever it might be, again, depending on your specific year of birth. But that full retirement age tells you what's my full retirement age benefit. And again, one of the reasons that's important is because if you have to or want to continue working, that's the age where you can continue working and receive your full benefit with no impact because of how much you're earning. So that's a big number talked about this a little bit, but again, figure out how many earnings you have years you have. Do you have 20 years? Do you have five years? Do you have 30 years? Do you have 40 years? But then you can use that information to determine, Do uh, should I continue working longer? Should I, and is it not going to make a big impact? There's some people that makes a significant impact. Some people, maybe it's a, you know, it's a few bucks, but you can at least use that information to make a decision. Okay. So what's next? I've been divorced or widowed. If you have been divorced or widowed, make sure you know whether you are eligible for a spousal, ex-spousal benefit, any types of survivor benefits. Are you eligible based on having been married for at least 10 years if you are now divorced or being married for at least 9 months if you're still if you're currently married or 1 year if you expect to be eligible for any type of spousal benefit. And finally, Again, I hit on this once before, but I can't tell you how important it is if as the spouse, as the wife, be involved in the decision-making process when when it comes to when are we going to start Social Security? So if you're a married couple, be involved in the decision. If If you're single, widow, divorced, and you haven't remarried, it's basically up to you. You gotta make that decision, consult an advisor, find out what's gonna be the most effective way of optimizing your Social Security benefit. But if you are a married couple, Be involved in the conversation. Again, I would even, I I tell people all the time, it more than likely should be you making the decision, but at a minimum, you have to be involved in that conversation.
2: All right. I feel like I learned a lot today.
0: Excellent. Glad to hear it. Well, thank you again for joining me, helping me keep things on track as uh, as always. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. If you would like to learn more about our firm at Blake Wealth Management, please visit our website at blakewealthmanagement.com. There you can learn more about our team, download and review our many free resources, sign up for a newsletter. And if only if you feel you're ready, click that start here button, review our Simply Retirement process. This is our process for helping you make an educated and informed decision about whether we are the right firm to help you navigate your retirement journey. And remember that retirement is not the end of the road. It is the start of a new journey.
1: That's it for today's episode of the Simply Retirement podcast. We hope you found our insights and advice helpful in planning for a fulfilling retirement. Don't forget to take action on what you've learned today. Visit our website at BlakeWealthManagement.com to learn more about our firm and review our Simply Retirement Roadmap process to get you on the right path to the retirement you deserve. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Thank you for joining us on this journey, and we look forward to helping you achieve your retirement goals. Remember, retirement is not the end of the road, it is the start of a new journey. So embrace it and make the most of it. Until next time, take care. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy results will vary past performance is no indication of future results or success market conditions change continuously this commentary reflects the personal opinions viewpoints and analyses of blake wealth management it does not necessarily represent those of rfg advisory private client services their clients or their employees this commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by blake wealth management or rfg advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Blake Wealth Management, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities.